Now more than ever, it's important to show support for your team and your community. Visa and the National Football League know that local businesses help your community move the ball down the field. Small businesses everywhere are overcoming challenges in these new times, thanks to teammates like you and Visa. Because when everyone pitches in, everyone benefits. Being loyal to local businesses ignites growth and supports all of us and our communities. Because they know that where you shop matters, Visa urges you to support local retailers who are making shopping safe and reliable. Remember, tap to pay with a contactless Visa wherever you see the contactless symbol to help support your community. Visa, official partner of the NFL. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, thanks for coming to Civilized Barking, where we talk about the team that owns Thursday Night Football. That's the Cleveland Browns. Uh, they played really well offensively. Their defenses cover your eyes awful. But they held on, they beat the Bengals, they really dominated, um, as the final score wouldn't indicate. But most importantly, Jason, they just needed a win. Uh, there are obviously a lot of other important things and check marks, and this is just one step. But they went from completely ill-prepared and completely getting embarrassed, come home, you get the win, the good vibes that come with it. I don't think any sane person expected better or different than one and one after two games. Uh, and this is early, early Friday morning. We're still at the stadium. We're about an hour after the end of the game. And the Browns are one and one. They ran the crap out of it, and they should feel good about most, much anyway, of their work in this game. Zach, say with me, there is no such thing as too much chub. We've been <laughs> screaming it for two years. Uh, last week to have 10 carries is inexcusable, regardless of what the score was. Tonight, Nick Chubb took over the game, 22 carries, 124 yards. Obviously, Kareem Hunt as well to go over 200 yards rushing as a team. I don't, I don't know if you can expect 200 rushing yards every game, but you expect this type of authoritative running style. Control the clock, control the tempo, control the night, <laughs> keep your defense off the field. This was exactly what they needed. Nick Chubb is a man running over little boys when he's on the field. It's incredible to watch. Uh, I was thrilled with the way that they used him. You know, listen, the lead to the column that I started writing was if Baker Mayfield is going to be elite, Nick Chubb's going to take him there. If the Browns are going to unlock Odell, Nick Chubb's going to take him there. And if there's any hope of salvaging this defense, Nick Chubb's going to fix it by keeping his ass on the field and keeping them on the sidelines. Well, what you just mentioned goes to the blueprint the Browns want, and then they hope to follow again, that they always hope to follow in this game. And with full apologies to my mother, who, know, who I know who's listening, um, this wasn't just the blueprint, Jason. This was the wet dream, right? This was Kareem Hunt, Your one carry in the first half completely fresh comes in the Browns are up two scores he's gashing them even after they turn it over um, a crazy sequence ensues but Nick Chubb gets basically 30 minutes maybe more of real time to rest he ends up with 22 carries where 20 is the beginning of the magic number they end up with 215 rushing yards three touchdowns they play with the lead they protect the lead even though it got hairy right and I mean Kareem since day one of camp has looked quick and fresh and in the third, fourth quarter against a defeated defense. He just looked quick and fresh. He did it. And as you mentioned, Chubb is a load. Um, let's go right back to the first quarter. 
11-yard touchdown, power formation. Kadero Hodge, the only receiver in the game, two tight ends, the fullback. He runs right through three guys. He scores. He's really, really good. He had 12 carries. If memory serves, he had 12 carries in the first, in the first half tonight. 10 in the entire last game on Sunday. Now, how much of this – listen, after what we saw last week, a win is a win is a win, and you take it and you run to the bank and you cash the check. How much of this, though, is the Bengals are awful and how much of this is it can be replicated week after week after week? Well, I, I think it's right in the middle, you know, just like you just said. The Browns got a really crappy draw in week one. They didn't do one thing to help themselves along the way. Tonight they got a much more favorable draw, right? The Bengals were – or a big step down. The Bengals are especially struggling defensively. Um, meet in the middle of, you got some things going. I thought it was a well-coached game. I thought it was a well-designed game plan. I thought it was a well-executed game plan. Uh, the interception stings, but Baker looked like an NFL quarterback. That's tremendous progress. Yeah. Both backs going, which is the blueprint. Um, and the defense made a couple of plays, now only a couple. But you did what you needed to do to win this game. You, you weren't able to force the rookie quarterback into a meltdown. A couple times you took advantage of him being a rookie, right? Super efficient. The Browns have long been awful on third down. Tonight they were five of eight. The, the Bengals ran like almost 30 more plays than the Browns did. The Browns made the most of theirs. And then the muscle flexor, six plays, 75 yards, all on the ground. Chubb barrels into Bengals territory. Hunt takes it from there. He's fresh, and, you know, like they still had to recover the onside kick. But, Jason, they played really the middle two-and-a-half quarters of this game. They played with a two-score lead. That's not going to happen. You're right. You're going to need to clean a lot of things up, and we could the, – the list of that goes longer than we plan to go on this podcast, right? But to lay out the blueprint, to do things, to gain the confidence, and, and to kind of send the message uh, to people that you're going to have to tackle these guys, that's a big deal. Baker looked decisive. They ran play action. They ran play action early. They got him on the move. They got the pocket moving. It, it was designed movement, not right. tuck the ball and runs panicking. Uh, I, I thought Baker looked – I mean, listen, I, I, I can't sit here off the top of my head and go game by game last year. He did have moments last year where he did look good. But, boy, this to me felt like the best, his best game since his rookie year. It sure did. Um, importantly, like you said, the design rollouts – not only getting him some confidence, but the one to Odell. Nothing to Odell was forced, right? Right. Odell was involved. The one down the sideline is right on the money. Uh, Hooper not involved a ton. Had at least one big catch that comes to the top of my head. We know what Jarvis is going to be when he's in the game. Uh, a touchdown pass to Kareem Hunt, who's wide open. Again, that's part of the dimension that he brings. Uh, just Baker's body language, which, frankly, I started watching from the first time he ran out of the tunnel you know, an hour and a half before the game, it was markedly better. And here's the thing. The Browns have had a lot thrown at them, right? And they are physically beat. I'm sure they're mentally beat. They get a few days to regroup. They get a full week's rest. They play another team they can beat at home in a week. And before that, they get to practice. They get to kind of heal themselves. They've got some good tape to match that awful tape. They play another opponent who – it's going to challenge them, no doubt. And, and hell, I don't know what's going to happen Sunday. I suppose a chance, there's a chance that the artists formerly known as the Redskins go to Arizona and win. But more than likely, you're getting another team that has a first-year head coach, a team that doesn't have a great roster, and a team that will be on a second straight road game coming in. And you get a chance to 
rev up the offense again, work on some things again, and maybe be two and one after three games. And considering he looked like a high school JV team just five days ago, that's pretty good. You know, we'll get to the defense, unfortunately, in a minute. But I, I did want to touch on the fourth down call at the goal line. I had no issue with it. I love the aggressiveness. Now, to be clear, there's a difference between Freddie aggressive and sane aggressive. Yes. And, and I, I had – and, you know, I, I saw a little bit on social media, and I think our buddy Dustin even said go up two scores there. I disagree because there's 22 minutes left in the game. Going up two scores, if there's six minutes left in the game, yeah, go up two scores. There's a lot of time left, and this defense has just been awful to this point. You got them backed up on the one-yard line. We know how it turned out, the turnover and the score. So, you know, but in the moment, I had zero issue with the aggressiveness. I love the call. Again, going back to last year, Freddie gets down there, and it's throw, throw, throw. The Browns didn't do that. They did run it a couple of times. No, they didn't get in. But that's okay. Like, to play, to play football in 2020, I am all for going for it when it makes sense on fourth down. That doesn't mean you run a fake punt from your own 30. But in the, in, the, in the moment of the game where they were, I had no issue with it. I thought it was the right call. Well, first, that defense is why you have to go for it to me. Right. right. Um, but even before that, Jason, you're, you know, you're talking about the sequence where they get stopped. You know, they score, it gets yep. reviewed, they get stopped on the inch line, then they get yep. the ball back right away. Yep. Um, the first fourth down conversion, the pass to Landry is what's important, what important to me. I got to tell you, before third down there, I just started watching the sideline because obviously if you don't convert third down there, it's potential four down territory. You don't trust your kicker, right? It's a weird game. You need to score. Um, they went for it, no hesitation. They ran a great play. I didn't see a replay. I'm sure it was a design pick. That's a confident team, right? That's coach, quarterback, receiver being on the same page, everyone wanting to go for it, which of course the players always do. And we saw Freddie bow to them, right? Yeah. They get it. Then they go down. What happens from there? You're right. It's fine. And I'm totally with you. They should have gone for it. It ended up working because Miles made the play, but that's another reason that you do. Not only do you, in a larger picture sense, do you not really trust your defense and you need those points, but you're putting a rookie quarterback inside his own two on the one yard line. It's exactly it. You're putting the ball in Nick Chubb's hand, which last year on a Sunday night we saw (laughs) happen at the wrong time. The only fourth and nine draw play in NFL history, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So like I said, I I think the whole theme of the night is progress and and the running backs are the headliners and they earned it. They were the closers. They were awesome. But Baker and Odell, like everyone can sleep a little easier, right? Uh, Miles has not been all over the place, but he made that play. Sheldon Richardson was awesome. Denzel Ward was awesome. He got a ton of question marks. And, and really that interception in the fourth quarter, I'll be interested to really kind of dive into that with, you know, what was the play call? What did Baker think he saw? I didn't hear Baker's Zoom call. Um, I was working on something else, so I don't know. And I'm not sure he would go into great detail anyway. But what I'm trying to say is we know this team has a long, long way to go, right? But I think even though it was the Bengals, I think we're seeing glimpses of why there is optimism, why it was so deflating in week one when they just totally didn't show up, even though the Ravens are better than them. And it's like, you get this thing going, right? And, and eventually when the weather turns, and eventually once you have some momentum and have some timing and have these experiences that are so huge, and I, I look at it and I wrote this last week, these were two preseason games. Unfortunately, they were division games. But you got out one and one 
I don't know what the health situation is with some pretty key guys, but this was really valuable experience, and now the season begins. We'll be back after this. This is the Athletics Shield Kapadia here to tell you about Liquid IV. Nobody likes to feel dehydrated. Maybe you get a little bit of a headache, dry mouth. You just don't feel like yourself. But believe it or not, dehydration still occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Maybe you use it after a really intense workout. Maybe you went out socially distanced with friends and had a couple extra beers the night before. That's where Liquid IV comes in. It is healthier than those sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. Plus, it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. And Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. Liquid IV is donating 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19. Products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. So how do you fix the defense? You have 10 days to try and patch this together. Obviously, there was a ton of guys out tonight who were hurt. Uh, you know, we talked about Ronnie Harrison a couple weeks ago in a podcast. Is this enough time now to where you can get him in and get him productive and useful for you? What do you do to, to try and solve this in the next 10 days? Yeah, um, that's an interesting one because he got in tonight and they immediately scored. <laughs> so uh, now Carl Joseph wasn't on the field in that play. So I don't know if he had an injury or, or something else. Um, the big thing is you're playing without two corners, Greedy, who's your starter, and Kevin Johnson, who's your slot, slot corner, who is a starter. Uh, and any slot corner is a starter in this league, especially when you play an offense like the Bengals. You know, Mac Wilson was going to be the linebacker to play 90-ish percent of the snaps. He hasn't played yet. The thing to me is IR is only three weeks this year, and the Browns did not put any of those three guys on IR, which tells me they're expecting on some level all three of them back next week. Yeah. So are they full speed? Will that happen? You know, I don't know, especially with Kevin Johnson who had a lacerated liver on a freak play. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where he is, but there are reinforcements on the way. There are adjustments to be made. And really, you played two completely different offenses in what the Ravens wanted to do and then obviously didn't even have to touch the gas pedal in the second half. And then the Bengals, who, you know, want to attack you by the air, ended up throwing 60 times. That's amazing. 300-some yards. You know, the game was – lengthened for many reasons um Bengals have a really good running back they didn't get much traction or at least didn't stick with it there so you're gonna keep seeing different things and you need these experiences so I've been writing and screaming since February and March that this defense has potential to be awful uh but I like what I've seen out of the line and I mean when I say this Jason in the back seven it really can't get any worse than it's been so far so maybe with time and experience and teaching points and chemistry it does get better well, and I mean, you know, you just touched on it. Joe Burrow threw 61 passes, making his second start on a short week on the road. And with Joe Mixon in the backfield, in a game that was never really out of hand, it's not like the Bengals had to throw to get back in the game. They were always hanging around. They still decided that the best way to attack this defense was to throw it 61 times, which makes me wonder when they see competent offenses down the road, how bad is it going to get? 
Yeah, that is something to wonder. Um, and we know that the Dallas game starts a stretch of where they play Dallas and the Colts and then go right to the playing the Steelers and then the Bengals again, right, who should be much more comfortable by that. Anyway, that's getting too far ahead. Um, dominant flashes from the defensive line. Um, like I said, Burrow goes nuts statistically and really impresses tonight. But there were a couple of times the Browns needed to fluster him or get him, and they did. Right. So I think we'll see more and better out of Miles Garrett. I really, I, I'm not going to sit here and make too many snap judgments until I, I kind of see because there's so much happening when you're just watching here. Um, Mac Wilson is a better player than Taki Taki. So yeah. assuming he gets healthy, you know, that will be an upgrade. But, but again, like, look what's worked against him. Vernon can't play tonight. Claiborne comes in. He makes the sack to hold him to three on the first drive. Turns out to be a huge sequence in the game, by the way. He gets hurt in the second quarter. You're down to Port Augustine. Port Augustine makes a sack that really kind of could have sealed the game with about eight minutes left, grabs the face mask in the process. Yep. You know, so look, we're still close here. Like, even on the Browns' first touchdown, Carlos Dunlap thinks he has a clear shot at Baker, overruns him, rookie mistake by a 10-year vet. Baker gets out of the pocket, the Browns score. Like, right, the face mask could have ended the game. It doesn't. Like, it's still a couple of plays. And so, you know, I know that the coaching staff is not going to enjoy these few days off because they're going to dwell on the special teams miscues, on the defense just getting gashed at times, right, on why in the hell did you throw that interception when you're running for anything you want with a two-score lead. But just looking at it, knowing what you got here and seeing a little bit of progress tonight, and I think a lot of progress in some areas, it's overall positive vibes. Of course it is. It's a home win. It's a division win. It's win number one. And now that Ravens game is way in the rearview mirror. So, you know, like I said, this always was going to come down to, you know, to me, this team playing well in the second half of the season. But really, over these next few weeks, when good teams start getting good and the Browns have all of this training camp, lost time, and all this madness to put behind them, and it starts to feel like regular football season again, which is the point that we're getting to. You know, are they getting better? Can they complete passes on third down when they need to? Is Odell a factor? Is Miles a factor? I think tonight there are positives in those regards. What did you think of 6,000 fans? It, it, felt, it felt somewhat normal finally to be – I mean, if I'm being honest, it felt like every December game I've been to here. Right. <laughs> but, but just to have people in the actual crowd and not fake crowd noise and to have natural reaction to good plays, bad plays and all that, it, it just, I mean, listen, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it felt like there were 60,000 people in there because it didn't, but just to have some sort of normalcy back and just so in, in fans, actual fans in the stands, I thought it was great. Yeah. So, it was much more normal than when I was in Baltimore four days ago where there were no fans. And that was yeah. just this totally surreal experience. So I, you know, people were sitting in front of us in the press box, people were trickling into the end zone seats. Like it kind of, that part felt normal, but of the 6,000, Jason, I knew two of them that were here. And for whatever reason, the PA system wasn't working for about the first quarter and a half. And they yeah. were both texting me like, why, why is there no PA? Like, this is spooky. This is the strangest football experience I've ever had in my life. Wow. So later I started to hear the PA announcer and started to hear the music. And the one thing that was different for me is the Browns throughout it from an hour and a half before throughout the game, we're still doing the things on the scoreboard where they're, you know, pumping up the crowd or playing the videos. 
like in Baltimore where there was no crowd, there was none of that. It was just yeah. like logo on the scoreboard and the teams ran out and then it went, right? So, um, yeah, I guess by now I'm used to it. I, I can't say that it was or wasn't a factor in the game. Obviously, 6,000 is better than none. Um, they, the Browns did their part in giving people a reason to get energized and get loud at first. And we'll kind of see, you know, how that goes. Um, but much, much, much more importantly is the offensive line played well. The Browns had a really good game plan. Um, and far from perfect, they got the win. So onward from here. So what's their schedule the next few days? They get a couple of days off now, do they not? And yeah, I don't know exactly, but I, w- I would imagine they get probably the whole weekend, you know, maybe some treatment and, and some film tomorrow, but definitely at least a 48-hour period of no football to, to rest bodies and rest brains. Um, and then, you know, how it would normally go in a week like that is they would actually get at least one practice to where they're working on themselves. Because when a season starts, it doesn't happen. You know, you usually have a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday practice schedule. And you're installing game plans. Some of those weeks, you might let it rip in one practice with a little bit of physicality and full speed. But other than that, you're going an hour and 20 minutes. You're working on installing stuff. You're teaching your practice squad players. The other team's plays, right? And you're working on situations. So this is a really important time for the Browns to not only make corrections, obviously, and that's specifically with the defense, but for, for guys to just get comfortable and for them to work on what they're good at, because that play action pass game, it can be really good. It probably has to be really good. Is it there yet tonight? Cause they ripped up the Bengals on four or five pass attempts. No, it's not, you know, are you always going to have a two touchdown lead and run wild there? Like I don't hate Jason, like, thinking something's going to be wide open off the play action pass game there, but it wasn't like it was an ill-advised throw and it got picked off and the game was not over. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, those are just things you, you have to live with. And, you know, like I said, the Browns have to get a lot better. So they're not 32 points worse than the Baltimore Ravens, but they're well behind the Baltimore Ravens and that's who they're chasing to get anywhere they want to go. I don't know. I don't, I don't even know. I think we covered it all. I don't even know where else to go from there. Yeah. No, like I said, it, it's good vibes. You know, you, you say, man, the Bengals can't block. They can't tackle. The Browns can't cover. Uh, I wish Cody Parkey would have gotten a kick tonight. I'm not sure how yeah. that would have gone, though. Like I said, I go back to the first drive and holding them to three. That's big. You know, responding right away, coming out, uh, throwing those play-action passes. Uh, that, that touchdown to Odell was just – just beautiful. Um, Odell got the guy to bite on the double move. He, the ball was right where he needed it to be. He got in the end zone. Like I said, later he got a couple more touches. Nothing felt forced. Nothing felt awkward. There's no screaming, no bad body language. You lost Jack, didn't have Jack Conklin tonight. The offensive line still did its part. Um, you know, underrated offseason move, cutting Chris Hubbard's salary, not cutting Chris Hubbard. Steps in and does a nice job tonight is your emergency tackle. I, I don't know a ton about offensive line play, and I haven't watched him as closely as I swore I was going to, but feels like the rookie tackle. Judrick Wills has done a great job for two games, right? So, like I said, a lot of positives, lots of build upon, and a lot of season left. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm anxious to see where it goes, curious to see where it goes. You know, you mentioned the, the double move, and Baker did say, I did hear a little bit of his zoom, and he did say, uh, I think it was the first play of the game or really early, they saw how they were playing Odell and they knew they could come back to that later. So that was one of those where they fouled it away and they came back to it, hit it at the right time. 
Uh, I think it was a big pressure release on Odell for a lot for a lot of reasons. I mean, yeah, it's only week two, but after everything of last year and the pent up frustration and what we saw last week at Baltimore, to get a big catch early, to get a big play early, uh, to score on it, you know, it, it may seem trivial and minor, but I promise you, it's not to him. So I thought it was big that the that the ruling stood and they gave him the score because. They're not going back to him. If it's first and goal inside the Very one, they're good. not going back to him. Yes. And, and, for for and many reasons. Very right. Easy. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll it's just good say for this. Odell to get that. Yeah, I'll just say this. It's the Bengals. It's been the weirdest start to a season ever, and it's only mid-September. But I think mid-November, to use a point, you know, two, two months from now, I think there's going to be times where they just ask Baker to throw for barely 200. And they're not going to run for 215 on everybody, and they're not going to build huge leads on everybody. But, like, Building a blueprint and building an identity is something that a lot of Browns teams haven't done. So if you're finally going to be different than all those other Browns teams, if this season's finally going to be different, then starting with that to me is just fine. Uh, Civilized Barking will be here at least twice a week from here on out. We're craving the opportunity to cover a real NFL season, a functional NFL team. We'll see what happens. Read The Athletic, subscribe to The Athletic. Thanks for listening to us, download, share, all that stuff. So for Jason Lloyd, I'm Zach Jackson. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time on Civil Rights Party.